0: to Prajna Sparks, a podcast where we listen to a Dharma talk, contemplate with our minds and in our hearts, and engage in guided meditation. In this episode, we learn what it means to tame the mind. Every episode of Prajna Sparks takes hours to plan, record, and edit. We ask that you give us just a little bit of your time today to subscribe, share, or review our podcast. Alongside your own practice, this is the best possible offering as it helps the Dharma reach new listeners. Beginning yesterday, Friday, October thirteenth, 2023, we began receiving a three-day teaching from Drupal Kempo Lodronamgyo, our main teacher at Pulahari Monastery in Nepal on Taming the Mind. The text for this teaching is written by a great 19th century Tibetan master of the Rime or non-sectarian movement in Tibet, named Jangun Lodru Tai. The text includes various instructions, but is centered on this phrase, Tame the Mind, which is said to be a summary that encapsulates all of the Buddha's teachings which can be described in very many ways, which all boil down to a whole heck of a lot of teachings. Nevertheless, all those teachings across the various Asian heritages of Buddhism, to which we have unprecedented access today, are summarized by the simple phrase, Tame the mind. We might not take to that phrase immediately. It doesn't sound warm and fuzzy and welcoming. So let's take a look at what it means to tame the mind. Before we do that, please note, this is a very brief podcast. This is a very deep teaching. I cannot emphasize enough how valuable it would be for you to receive these teachings directly from Drupal Kempo. The link to register is in the podcast notes, and all registrants have access to the recordings of the teachings until the end of January, 2024. Hop to it. It's the best way to understand what it means to tame the mind. In the meantime, though, let's give you a preview. The phrase tame the mind can be understood to point to bringing the mind, which, let's face it, is a little bit unruly, a little bit of what's called monkey mind, jumping here and there, not necessarily following directions very well. Back to its natural state. What is mind's natural state? In the Kagyu lineage of Tibetan Buddhism, which we practice, it is said that mind's natural state is bright, luminous, tranquil, blissful, powerful, wise, loving, and so forth. In other words, it's a natural state. Of goodness and excellent qualities. Taming the mind refers to bringing the mind to that natural state of tranquil, powerful, wise bliss. Why is that important? How do we know that that's even the case? You could just look around you, look at your own mind, look at all the beings you encounter in your day, including the tiniest of animals you will find that we are all seeking not to suffer, ever, and to be happy, always. There's lots of different expressions of that wish, but when you get down to the bottom of things, the busyness of the ant, the various things that we go through into our own lives, and even harmful activities we see in the world today, such as war and crime, Are the enactment of somebody's belief that in this way, they will not suffer, and they will be happy. The worldly approach for doing that, however, as we can see in our lives, in the news, and in examples that abound around us, do not necessarily actually get us to that point of complete freedom from suffering and uninterrupted, genuine happiness. In fact, what they get us is fleeting pleasures interspersed with suffering. Why is that? Because attachment to pleasure and aversion to pain simply drive us to act in ways that are not in accord with mind's tranquil, powerful, wise, blissful nature. When we act in contrary to that nature, what happens? Our mind becomes riled up. Our attention span becomes short. We get distracted easily. Our perspective narrows. Our mind is cluttered and tainted by any number of agitating emotions. And as a result, those agitating emotions serve to misguide our actions. Actions that are led by misguided emotions inevitably lead to unpleasant results. By contrast, when we speak of taming the mind, this simply means allowing mind to relax, to rest in, to be with its natural state, without running after all of these things that we want and chasing away all these things that we don't want. As a matter of fact, it means a mind that is panoramic and perspective clear and open and guided by mind's innate wisdom this is what it means to tame the mind this is also a perfect description of what mind is like in the middle of the stew that is samsara as opposed to what mind is like in the state of nirvana narrow disturbed and misguided describes samsaric experience while panoramic clear, and wise, describes nirvanic experience. There is a verse that includes this phrase, tame the mind, in the Buddha's teachings. It's a verse that actually encapsulates those teachings, and it says, Do not the slightest harm. Practice excellent virtue in abundance. Completely tame the mind. This is the teaching of the Buddhas. So you'll see here that the last line says, This is the teaching of the Buddhas, meaning all Buddhas that teach, teach the same thing how to tame the mind. We can also see that these first two lines have a purpose do not the slightest harm, practice excellent virtue and abundance, are instructions that encourage us to live an ethical life, a life that is free of regret, remorse, second-guessing, worry, anxiety, and fear. When we move towards not enacting harm towards others or oneself, as well as taking every opportunity to engage in excellent virtue, which includes things like generosity, patience, meditation, and so forth, our mind naturally begins to settle into ease contentment, and pliability to apply itself to the Dharma. In other words, not doing the slightest harm and practicing excellent virtue brings simplicity and clarify the priorities of our life, enclosing us in an atmosphere of abundance and ease. This allows our mind to heal and transform. Simplifying and prioritizing what matters by not causing harm to ourselves and others gives the mind the space to heal from the turmoil and uproar that chasing after this and running away from that creates. As we heal, the mind starts to transform, seeing the abundant possibilities of behaving with excellent virtue in line with mind's true nature everywhere it turns then these two lines naturally lead to the third line. Completely tame the mind refers to now using this mind that has a basis and ethical discipline to engage in meditation, in particular, what are called shamatha and vipassana in Sanskrit. In English, we could say tranquility and insight meditation. Tranquility meditation, or shamatha, is something we see in all the various lineages of Buddhism, whether it be zazen, mindfulness, or whatever it may be. The methods for bringing mind to rest are methods that continue this process of healing the mind. This is the essential basis for all Buddhist practice. Not only does mind heal and start to be at home with itself in its own natural state, the tranquility and lucidity that is natural to mind becomes the platform for the precise and incisive inquiry of vipassana or insight meditation. This is what generates greater understanding of life as it is. In other words, this simple verse outlines the threefold training that the Buddha describes as encompassing all his teachings. Refraining from harming ourselves and others, as well as enacting abundant, excellent virtue, is a training in ethics. Taming the mind begins with the training in samadhi. Samadhi means meditative stability which includes Shamatha as well as other meditative techniques. In addition, that adverb completely tame the mind refers to prajna as well, the meditative understanding that comes about by working with the foundation in Shamatha to deepen our understanding from listening and contemplating so that it becomes experiential. In a word, so that we integrate the Dharma. In this way, we can see how this simple verse outlines a process for deepening our engagement with life just as it is. The more we heal and transform through our behavior, through our meditative practice, and through our increasing experiential understanding, the more mind transcends misperception. Let's be clear. People can be really confused about what transcendence means. Buddhism is not asking us to transcend our lives, our loves, our family, our friends. Buddhism is asking us to transcend not understanding things, not engaging things as they are. We're encouraged to transcend misperception, mistaken views of how things are, of what we are. There are many methods for taming the mind. In various spiritual traditions and psychological arenas, in self help. This method of attaining the mind, however, is pointing to using the mind to open the mind to its own true nature, the source of the complete freedom from suffering and unalloyed, uninterrupted happiness that we all want. Anything less is simply trying. To make samsara great again. I hope you'll take the opportunity to register and view the recordings of Jubankempa Lodhru Namgyal's full teachings on what it means to tame the mind based on the text by Jamgon Kundra Lodhru Thai called The Guru's Instructions in a Single Utterance. Here are some seeds for contemplation as you go about your day. Consider what do you think of as harm? What do you think of as virtue? Are there ways that you can expand your understanding of each so that your conduct day-to-day becomes more and more benevolent, caring, joyful, and even keeled? Test it out. Try some new ways not to harm, and new ways to gather in virtue. See what that does to your mind. See how much it brings a wider perspective, clarity, and a touch of wisdom to your days. This is Yeshe and Zopa for Prajna Sparks. Be sure to join us every month on the New Moon for fresh episodes. Stay tuned now for a guided meditation with Lama Zopa. Shivni is our Tibetan singing bowl artist. Thanks for the generosity of your time to like, subscribe, share, and review Prajna Sparks. It really does help us to spread the gift of Dharma to new listeners. If you have any questions, contact us via email, Instagram, or Facebook. Check the episode notes for those links, and for more resources on today's topic, visit us on the web at prajnafire.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Prajna Sparks. Thank you for listening. May all beings benefit.
1: Hello, friends, and welcome to the Meditation on Taming Mind. This, of course, is a huge, vast topic. So for our meditation today, I thought to focus on one of the foundational aspects for taming mind for walking the Dharma path, namely Shamatha, Shine, or Tranquility Meditation. This is so foundational because we need to cultivate the ability to remain one pointed on whatever we set our minds upon. And the way we go about this is through tranquility practice. No matter what form of Buddhism we practice, no matter which meditation we're working with, all of it involves the foundational quality of tranquility, of one-pointed attention to the meditation object. So we thought that this would be an excellent topic for our meditation today. To begin with, take your seat.
2: Find your posture, which is relaxed and easeful, yet also alert.
1: One of the primary points of posture that can be so helpful is to have an erect, straight spine, where we can feel ourselves grounding down through the bottom of our tailbone, down into the earth, as well as also lifting up through the torso, The back of the neck and the head, almost like there's an invisible string going out from the crown of our head, pulling us up into space and finding that beautiful nexus point of our posture. So take a few moments here to settle in to your seat, to claim this moment, this session of practice, fully vivid and vibrant in your energetic body,
2: tapping into that.
1: Now, as we turn to the practice of shamatha, of tranquility meditation, a couple of brief instruction points to keep in mind. The main purpose of tranquility meditation is to develop this one-pointed concentration, attention of mind that allows us to rest on whatever our meditation object is. So, for this meditation, we might use our breath, the inhalation and exhalation, focusing on that as the anchor for our awareness. It's not that we're too tight on the breath, that it feels uncomfortable, or we, we get too involved in it, thinking about it. The main point of the breath, an external stone or twig or Buddha statue, and an imagined Bindu of light, sphere of light in the center of our heart, or the point between our eyebrows, or whatever other meditation object feels appropriate to us, is as an anchor for our awareness, so that we can fine tune our attention, knowing precisely when our awareness gets distracted, either by thoughts, agitation, spinning out into storylines, energy carrying us away, or on the other hand, sinking into sleepiness, dullness, even if it's just very slight, that obscuration of clarity that can come when we sink just a little. So we're fine-tuning mind's balance of its intrinsic clarity that manifests as knowing, as alertness, and also its intrinsic stillness that manifests as that resting, useful quality. If we can bring those two into balance and keep fine-tuning it, keep right on that edge, then we're developing this one-pointed concentration, which brings about all sorts of benefits not the least of which is forming the foundation for taming our mind for whatever further practice of meditation, whether it be tonglen, deity practice, or any of the many other wonderful practices we can engage in to tame our mind and walk the path. If you're comfortable focusing on the breath as a meditation object, that's great. If you prefer something else, that's also fine. Just clarify it for yourself right at the start, and don't shift from it. Use it as the anchor for your awareness. If you find yourself getting distracted by thoughts or by dullness, simply recognize the distraction without judgment, without following after it, without attachment or aversion, and bring mind back to the focal object. Let's practice like
2: that for five minutes. How was that, friends?
1: Take a moment to evaluate your experience, to see if you got lost, to see the places where you settled in to that one-pointed, clear,
2: yet calm and useful attention. Isn't it amazing when we do that? Can you
1: feel what it does to your energy? Let's practice again like that, just for a brief time, just one minute. Making the commitment to ourselves to put in the
2: effort, even as we remain easeful. Wonderful. Thank
1: you for your practice and for all that you do. Now, please join me in sharing whatever goodness has come from this meditation practice with ourselves and all others, that we may engage in this noble, heartfelt, exalted path of taming mind, so that we can reveal mind's innate nature, genuine bliss. In the face of whatever arises. Let us make our own aspiration and dedication prayers that it may be just so. Thank you.